Welcome to the Pothole Pastors Podcast. Welcome back. I am Joey. And I'm Adam. And here is episode six. So we're going to have a different episode today. Is it really episode six already? I think so. Holy smokes, I think you're right. I'm pretty sure this is episode six. So no guests today. We don't have any guests this week, but we're going to have some coming in the future. We have some things scheduled and... Oh my gosh. But <laughs> we are doing a different episode. We're going to call it the Pothole Buffet episode. Mm, sounds delicious. So we're going to have all of our normal segments, just like before with our uh, Midwestern Moments and Muncie Minute. And we're still going to talk about faith and have a topic, but it's going to be more than one topic. It's going to kind of be a buffet. If you think of you go to the buffet and you just grab a little bit of everything, we're going to have a couple different topics. We're going to bounce around a little bit. And we will see where it goes. We might talk about one. We might actually just get started and just rant the whole time. It's kind of like going to a buffet and only eating the prime rib. Because mm. you, could, you couldn't do too much worse things than... Yeah. Golden Corral, baby. Man, I haven't eaten there in a long time. That, well, there's good reason for that. <laughs> and... Or we might have two or three different topics. So it's a buffet episode because it's a little bit of everything. But it's a pothole buffet. So some of the topic shifts might feel like the abrupt jerk of hitting a pothole. Mm, so yeah. without further ado, Adam, what'd you do this week? Oh man. What, what, oh, Labor Day was this past weekend, Yes, I guess. So I went home, visited the fam. That was fun. And so I moved out of my house back in May because mm-hmm. I moved to Muncie in June officially. And my parents have been taking stuff out of my room because I don't live there anymore. And so I have been sleeping in a bunk bed for the past like 21 years of my life. I'm 22, but obviously I slept in a crib. <laughs> but but anyways, they got rid of the... <laughs> you could totally tell one of those stories. I came out of the womb sleeping in a bunk bed. <laughs> in a bunk bed. That sounds like a Midwest thing. <laughs> oh. But my parents got rid of the bunk. Well, they didn't get rid of it. My sister now has it, and they put it in their sped room where she lives now. In their sped room? Spare bedroom. (laughs) Spare bedroom. (laughs) But so that was weird. So I've never known my room to not have a bunk bed in it. And this is the first time this past weekend of no bunk beds. So that was it's kind of bittersweet. But at the same time, it was kind of nice because I was getting a little too big for the bunk bed. <laughs> I know that sounds weird because I'm s- smaller than most people. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of nice to have open space above me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of what I did this past weekend. Yeah. We have been trying to finish up our dining room. So... Mm-hmm. As you will recall, when we moved into our house a little over a year ago, our dining room had white carpet. Did it really? Yeah, it had white carpet. I didn't see it when it had that. Really? No. Are you serious? I'm serious. We moved in and we had white carpet in the dining room. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm just like, who who did this? And so, of course, we have a dog and our main way from going outside was through our sun porch which goes through, well, the sun porch doesn't go through the dining room, but you walk through the dining room to get to the French door that opens to the sun porch. And that was where our dog, Louie, would walk back and forth all the time. So we just had this path of, <laughs> of dirt and whatever else that he, over time, just tracks in. So we ripped it out, 
in January. I think it was January 1st. I think it was like, we're starting a new year, baby, and we're ripping it out. <laughs> and so we tore it off, and then there's oak wood underneath it. So, so it was really nice, and we scraped all the junk and the crap and the adhesive stuff, you know, whatever. Right. And so that was done in February, but we got busy to where we planned on trying to refinish the floors, like sand them, stain them, everything. Haven't got around to that. So this summer, we started looking at the walls, and there was this ugly chair rail that was around our dining room that we just hated. I remember that. Yeah, we yeah. just it was dumb. It was not. It wasn't treated. It wasn't stained. It wasn't painted. It was just tacked up onto the wall. Super like it was terrible. You know, it just <laughs> looks really bad. So I went to tear it off the wall, thinking it was only like nailed into the wall. Right. Nope. It was plastered with adhesive glue onto the wall on the wall yeah so it ripped oh. the plaster we have plaster walls we don't have drywall oh, it ripped okay. the plaster off the wall so i had to get joint compound and redo all that sand the wall so then we're like well now we have to paint the wall we don't have the paint that came with the house mm. so we had to repaint the entire house so this week we got a lot of painting done and so we've repainted the whole dining room and there the top, you know, because you like can only go up so far with a with a roller. Right. And so I took paintbrushes and been doing up top. I probably have one more coat to make it look good. Mm. And then we have to remove all the tape that we have all around the room and do all the detailed edging and stuff like that. But um, that's almost done. So that feels good. But we still haven't touched our floor. So <laughs> as soon as we get done painting, we'll look into what's it going to take to finish the floor. But home projects are cool. You know, it kind of makes you feel like you're accomplished. But that's yeah. kind of been the most exciting thing that's happened. That's cool. So when you get when you own a home, that that just becomes your life. You know, you, yeah. some people are like, yeah, I went out and had this cool weekend out with the with the bros doing this. We painted our walls, you know. But. I've, I've heard of people doing home projects before, whether they're replacing like a wall or their floor and like they find money. Like if it's an old house. Oh, I wish. Like, oh man, that would be cool if you found money in your house. Well, see, I'm always telling Hannah, I want to knock walls down in our house because we don't, we have an older ha home and it's not that open. So I'd love to knock some of these walls down, right? you know, to open up the house. But maybe I can take that approach and tell her, hey, we might have money in these walls. <laughs> but hey, we have some Midwestern moments and oh we goodness. have some good ones. So here we go. Oh. So this story is, just happened yesterday, actually. Well, it came out yesterday, I should say. But uh, the story is Salmonella outbreak connected to backyard poultry sickens more than a thousand across 49 states. I'm kind of curious what the... Yeah, other... that's that's so much suspense because you're like, which state is not affected? <laughs> right. It says more than a thousand people have been sickened by salmonella outbreak linked to a backyard poultry. The, center, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said in an update last week, it said a total of 1,003 people have been sickened by the outbreak across 49 states and an increase of 235 people since the Federal Health Agency last issued an update in July. At least two people have died and 175 have been hospitalized due to illness. Ugh. That sounds disgusting. Man, yeah. and we eat chicken at our house all the time. Yeah. So yeah. now I'm just... Ugh. Well, I don't think we have any chicken currently. 
in our freezer or anything. So we might steer clear of chicken even in restaurant. Oh man, that's, chicken's so good. It is. It's talked. It ta- well, it talks about the symptoms, which I will not say because they're kind of disgusting. But it talks about the different outbreaks that have happened of salmonella. I'm guessing in the past year, but it says in May, 52 people were affected by the outbreak, and the CDC issued a statement, right, informing people, hey, be careful, salmonella. But this is what they warned. It said they warned to not kiss or snuggle chickens for fear of getting in contact with the disease. My first thought is, who in the world is kissing a chicken? Well, I'm sure glad they told me not to, because I was actually (laughs) just thinking about, it might be a good idea to go snuggle with a chicken. Yeah, yeah, When I'm stressed, I snuggle with chickens. (laughs) That sounds like a Chick-fil-A type. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that. That's the only chicken I'm snuggling or kissing is a (laughs) Chick-fil-A sandwich. (laughs) But, like, why feel the need? Like, I understand, like, hey, be careful buying chicken, but, like kissing and snuggling your chicken like I, so can i get you know how you have people with service animals can i get a chicken <laughs> to be my service animal and i'm just cuddling it as i walk through like lowe's <laughs> looking for my home improvement projects <laughs> have like one of those things on it said please do not kiss or snuggle my chicken <laughs> gosh yeah, well well that's pretty that's i mean farms chickens that's pretty midwest it is pretty mid yeah. and it's yeah it's Whoa crazy <laughs> okay well i've got oh boy. I, i'm not trying to be the guy that one ups you but i think i've got one that's going to raise your eyebrows oh boy i'm excited are you ready um i think so <laughs> wisconsin christian school to open at the site of a former strip club <laughs> the site of a shuttered strip club in wisconsin is being transformed into a quote place of life and light hope and joy <laughs> As it eventually becomes a Christian school, part of which will be opened later this month. So, I mean, they're not wasting time. This was published this month. Later this month, they are opening this school. Holy smokes. The former Spearmint Rhino Gentlemen's Club, <laughs> located in a strip mall in Trenton, roughly 40 miles north of Milwaukee, will open as the Azoki Christian School, I think that's how you say that. I wouldn't know, but officials purchased the strip mall this year, and pl- well, that's a whole that's a whole new meaning for strip mall, and plan to make what used to be a strip club into a place of education in quote a story only God could write. <laughs> the president of the school, David Schwartz, says it's been a long two years to get here. <laughs> But it's been a very rewarding two years. Rewarding? Dude, I'm I'm just picturing <laughs> I'm picturing like this principal and the board like going into this strip club and thinking, Yeah, we can turn this into a place of education for kids. Well, I mean, I'm all for redeeming the culture. Right, right. But, but... I just feel like there's gonna be unintended consequences and baggage. You can't that comes here. You can't tell me there's not another building in the town that they could use for their school that a a strip club like yeah, it's they go they go on and just talk about yeah, it's a story, quote unquote, that you would hear in the Bible or whatever. In it's, the Bible. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Oh, a new Christian school opening in Wisconsin. 
Oh my gosh. From strippers to teachers. <laughs> okay, that's quiet. I think that's quite enough of our Midwestern moment. Oh. But, oh man. Well, so we we warned that this is going to be a kind of a jerky topic <laughs> change. So we're moving into our pothole buffet episode mm. where we're going to tr- attempt to go for three different topics. We'll see where top- where the discussion goes. If we have good discussion and we stay on one longer than the other, that's okay. But we are going to cover thankfulness, mm. Sabbath rest, and Looney Tunes heaven. Looney Tunes heaven. Which one do you want to start with, Adam? Um, Let's start with thankfulness since it's the first one on the board. Yeah. So... I've I've been reading a book by the lead singer of 10th Avenue North, Mike Donahue, called Finding God's Life for My Will. And he was talking about thankfulness. And he specifically um, started talking about being grateful and and how gratitude, you know, causes us to look at God and look at life in a different light. And so um, he had another chapter where he was talking about prayer, or maybe it was the same chapter. I can't, I've, I've read a lot of the book in the last couple of days, but I said, you know what, I, I'm going to try this. So I went out and I was taking my dog on a walk and normally mm-hmm. I take my headphones with me and I listen to podcasts or listen to music or, or something. But this time I left my headphones at home and said, I'm going to pray for the entirety of my walk with my dog. And normally we walk about 20 to 25 minutes. So it's not like a major long time, but I was like, I'm going to pray the whole time. But I started with thankfulness. Mm-hmm. I started by thanking God for um, my house, my wife, my family, uh, this podcast, my dog that I'm walking, the the old raggedy car that we drive, you know, all these things. And then I started praying about needs that I have, asking God, honoring God, worshiping him. I prayed the Lord's Prayer. Um, it wasn't necessarily an organized prayer. You know, I think a lot of times when I enter into a prayer time, I have like this quote unquote agenda or whatever. And so I started expressing thankfulness at the beginning. And then at the end of the prayer, as I was coming back to the house, I ended the prayer with thankfulness. And wow, like I felt incredibly close to the Lord Mm. and I felt at rest and peace, you know, and just being realizing I had so much to be thankful for that the things that I didn't have didn't seem to be so big. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. I think when you hear people talk about in church, like, Oh, I heard this sign from God. You know, I spent time in prayer and a lot of people are like, Oh, that's great. But I took time and spent time with God and didn't hear anything. You know what I mean? And I think that's a lot of times what happens at least for me. And, but I totally resonate with you. Recently, I have had a bad habit of right when I get up in the morning, I look at my phone. I look like, what am I, you know, did I get an email? You know, what's on Facebook, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. And it put me in a bad mood just for, I don't know, you see people doing other stuff. Jealousy can creep in and all that stuff. And I watched a video of a pastor saying, instead of reaching for your phone, choose to pray. Like you were saying, like, be thankful ask God to like guide you, give you more of a spirit to go throughout the day. And I thought, I'm going to try that. And so the past couple of weeks I've been trying that and I totally agree with you. I haven't like 
you know, my windows haven't opened and like God said, yes, this is my child, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> but I have had more of a peace and a joy throughout the day, knowing that I've started my day with God and that uh, I know he's guiding me throughout the day, even if I don't hear an audible voice, but it's that sense of peace and rest that yeah. is so like, you can't, it's hard to explain, but you know, it's there. Right. Yeah. And I think we think of God and I, I remember in the book, Mike was also talking about this in the book. We were, we're both reading that book and mm-hmm. talked about even when we say we spent time on God yeah. and how that's like a transactional term. And it's like, is that even the best, you know, terminology? Because it's like, and people know what we mean by it. I don't think everybody, I'm not saying that everybody that says you spent time is looking at God transactionally, but we might be subconsciously because we think, okay, I'm going to spend this much time with God so that I can, res- I can have this result. You know, but what if there is no result to be had today? Right. All God wanted was to spend time with us. Yeah. You know, and and there wasn't something to get out of it, at least not immediately. And what if, could we just be thankful that we live in a place where we're able to openly worship God, mm-hmm. that we have the means to, you know, have even this podcast, you know, like all these things, I think it sounds really little and it sounds like, well, that seems kind of cheesy and almost like, like a Hallmark card, but man, it really made a difference today. Like I felt at peace. I felt at rest. Um, I wasn't thinking constantly of what I didn't have or the needs that haven't been met yet, but I was thankful for what has been and who I am because of what God has done and who he says I am. And that has just been such a different day to day. And I'm like, why don't I do this every day? You know? And so I really am going to try to do this more often. I take Louie at least on a walk a day, typically, unless it's, you know, storming or whatever, um, or I'm traveling, but I'm going to try to do that like, and, and open up with thankfulness and, and pray. And, um, I think it helps me, you know, I've never been someone who can sit down for like 30 or 45 minutes straight in one spot yeah. and pray at least by myself, I've been in group prayers, you know, that, so like walking actually really helped me. And it kind of, it showed me like, man, God's creation is beautiful, you know? And so I think I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying that. I think there's something even, um, I was looking before we were on the podcast here, Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his court with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And it's just like a, you know, there's a truth of thanksgiving opens our hearts to worship God. You know, when we come to God with gratitude, we're able to worship him. But when we come with bitterness or complaining or, you know, whatever, like a spirit that's not in a posture of thankfulness and gratitude, it's harder to worship God there, you know? Yeah. I remember, I don't know why this popped in my head, but you're talking about going on a walk and just having that prayer mentality. And I think when you start building that habit of a prayer life, things automatically in your day-to-day life resort back to praying and talking to God. An example I think of, I think it was my old youth pastor, Casey, which if you're listening, (laughs) um, but I think it was during a youth group service one time, I don't remember, but we were talking about something and sirens went by, you know, and he like stopped and he said, guys, let's pray for 
those people. We don't know where they're going, what's happening, but let's just stop and pray. And we did. And that made an impact on me. I thought, wow, like it's not so much of like, oh yeah, we said the prayer and moved on, but it was his mindset of he heard sirens. And instead of thinking like, oh, there goes sirens and just moving on, rather seeing, hey, there's a need there. Somebody needs help. Maybe we can't do anything hands-on, but we can pray for them. And just having that prayer life mentality. Um, and, and the book that by Mike, I love what he talks about. And he quotes somebody of throughout the day, they'll constantly be praying like, Abba, I belong to you. Yeah, Brennan Manning. Yeah, yeah. Which means, well, Abba is father. Like, Father, I belong to you. And it's a very short prayer, but he says that throughout the day to remind him, no matter what he's doing, hey, this is where my identity is. This is who I am. And it's a constant reminder throughout the day. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. But that's all I have to say about thankfulness. It just, it was kind of, it's a small thing, but it was kind of a big deal to me today. So that was something. Yeah. I think one thing that's been big for me is when I feel the spirit most is if I feel at peace Mm -hmm. and it's kind of helped me make decisions too. If I'm facing a decision or I have to do, I don't know. I guess if I had to make a decision, I always think to myself, am I at peace right now? Or is this like very conflicting? And I'm not saying it's always been like clear cut, but there's been times where it's like, this just doesn't feel right. I don't feel at peace here. And then there's other times where it's like, I feel like the spirit is giving me peace on this decision, if that makes sense. So it's kind of helped me gauge as far as uh, making decisions and stuff. I'm not sure that doesn't really go along exactly with what yeah, you're talking about. No, yeah, no. But just having hey, it's a buffet, you know, every once in a while you get the popcorn <laughs> shrimp and you pop them in your mouth. Yeah. But it's kind of that prayer life mentality, which is something I know we're both trying to work on. And I yeah. think it's a struggle for like every Christian, but something that's needed in our day to day life. Yeah. Well, let's shift into the idea of Sabbath rest, because I think thankfulness and Sabbath go pretty closely together. Um, when you grew uh, growing up hearing the word Sabbath, what do you think of? Um, I think of the Ten Commandments. That's the first thing that that pops okay, in yeah. my head. Um, but yeah, I think of a day off, I guess. Mm. But it's weird because I mean, technically, like, well, the day the Sabbath used to be Saturday correct like back in the jewish that that's when they the jews would observe sabbath yeah right but for like christians today it's like sunday Mm -hmm. is the sabbath but for us growing up and i know older people in the audience can remember a time when sunday was like a day off stores were closed activities didn't happen like you were at home but today it's totally that it's like another day almost you know there's activities there's sports businesses are open and so for me, Sabbath growing up, like, yeah, it's a day off, but yet it doesn't necessarily feel like a complete day off, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Growing up, I think my understanding of Sabbath was just Sunday. Yeah. That's all. I, I mean, I didn't think of it a lot. I knew you're supposed to honor God on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to work, you know, and whatever. But I think as I've grown up, I've just realized how myopic that view is of Sabbath, you know, it's way, it means way more than just a day off or even just one day. Um, so I think Sabbath is important for us because us, and I mean, not just you and me, I mean, Christians, 
because we need rest. And I think it's something where it's not so much, I think sometimes we take this attitude that Sabbath benefits God somehow, you know, and Jesus even said, man wasn't made for Sabbath, you know, Sabbath was made for man. So the Sabbath is for us. It's our benefit. And it's, I think part of it is a humility thing where it says, I'm going to intentionally choose to take a day down of rest and work, believing that God can do more in six days than I can in seven. Mm. You know, and I think that's especially true for me as a minister because it's crazy easy just to get busy, schedule meetings, respond to needs, prepare another message, you know, just put in some hours preparing on administrative things for ministry, visiting people, going late into the night. But I know a lot of pastors that they don't take a day off. You know, they don't rest from work, at least not completely. Like they'll, they'll stay at home, but they're still working on stuff. And I think that really leads to burnout. You know, you burn out really quick when you're just always going, 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 going. And it, and I think you also subconsciously say, I, I, I have to work to accomplish these things. And you're, so you're kind of almost, it's very subtle, but you're almost saying like, I can do more than God can. Mm. You wouldn't now, if you took a poll, nobody would say that, but I think our actions reflect that sometimes. Yeah. I remember, I think you told me this in college when I was first being a leader and reaching out to students and I was always concerned of the fact, am I investing in students enough? If I'm trying to disciple someone, am I spending enough time? Am I doing enough? And I remember, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I remember you were saying that believe even when you're not around that person, that God is still working through them even when you can't. And that was a wake up call for me. It's like, that's right. I'm not always going to be around that person. I need to take time to be away knowing that God doesn't like, God doesn't stop working when I stop working. God is continually moving behind the scenes in ways I can't imagine and trusting God that this is in your hands from the start and it's not completely up to me. I'm just a vessel working. Yeah. Well, I think something you said there was key. Am I doing enough? Mm. And that's so much the heart and mentality of so many, especially American Christians. Am I doing enough? Am I reading the Bible enough? Am I praying enough? Am I reaching out enough? Am I making enough disciples? Am I being holy enough? Am I withstanding the temptation of sin enough? You know, all these things. And it very quickly becomes a performance-based relationship, if you want to call it that. You know, and we're operating suddenly not, not out of living for the glory of God. We're living for our glory, but only putting God's name on it, Mm, you know, and Sabbath cuts right to the heart of that. And like you said, you intentionally take yourself off the field. If you'd imagine like it's the Super Bowl, you know, you're Peyton Manning, it's the final drive, but it's Sabbath time. So I'm coming off the field. Yeah. Now to most people, especially sports guys, like you will never do that, you know, (laughs) but that's kind of the, sometimes to us, there might look like we have to be there, you know, as a Christian, my friend needs me there. You know, the ministry opportunity is there. The discipleship opportunity is there. 
but have you had Sabbath this week? Now, now I think there is wisdom to say maybe this isn't the best time to take Sabbath. For us, on our ministry, we have Tuesday night services. It's not a great day to take Sabbath because we need our people there. You know, but if it was a life or death situation or a very unhealthy thing, I'd say you're taking a Sabbath today. You know what I mean? And right. It's valuing, valuing the, the mental, the physical, the emotional health of yourself and others over the task of ministry. Right. Well, and even in Genesis in the Bible, I mean, Jesus took a Sabbath. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, who are we if the God of the universe takes a Sabbath? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And I remember reading uh, Sit, Walk, Stand by Watchman Nee. It's a great book. Really good book. And he talks about, because Christians have this mentality of, I got to go, I got to outreach, I got to do this for God, I just got to keep moving. And he said, how can you do that if you aren't taking time to sit in the presence of God and resting and learning from Him? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's the simple concept of, like, you have to – eat in order to go out and do more. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like you have to take time to nourish yourself and to rest in order to go out again. Otherwise, like you said, you're just going to burn out. Right. Well, I think that's probably, we talked a little bit the last podcast with Brock about anxiety and uh, worry and stuff. I think a lot of that comes from this heart of we're so busy. We always feel like we have to do something. I heard one pastor saying, this is kind of cheesy, but it's kind of true busy means being under Satan's yoke. So, Mm. you know, it's kind of cheesy and it's like, obviously not everybody who's busy is being influenced by Satan. And it's, but I think it it shows the point of a lot of times we can get so busy, so caught up, so oriented tunnel vision on what we're doing, even doing quote unquote for God that we forget that we aren't God and it doesn't matter how much we're able to get accomplished you know, and I think that's the whole point of when Jesus says, you not, you need to not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, because the father knows what you need. Mm-hmm. And essentially control is just an illusion anyway. So you don't have control. And so Sabbath is the humility to step back and say, the God of the universe is in control and he doesn't need me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I remember, I think it was Bob Goff who said, and it relates to your point as far as when Jesus was in ministry and he became increasingly more popular, he came, he became increasingly more accessible. Mm -hmm. Like we're not popular by any means, but as we grow up and we get older, our lives get more busier. And I think it's a testament of even though we're more busy, it says something if we choose to take time to rest, not only for the benefit of ourselves, but for the benefit of other people and how we outreach to other people. Because if we're burnout, but we're still con- having relationships with other people, it's not going to be truly authentic because we're not in the right state of mind, you know? Right. Um, so taking care of our healthy self is only going to benefit other people. Right. I, I love what Hebrews says here. It says, therefore, and it's, and it's saying therefore because it was talking all about how Israel didn't enter God's rest and going through their disobedience. So it says, therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest, God's rest, has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us 
then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Mm-hmm. And you look at the disobedience of the Israelites, they just, they completely always were running away from God, had idols, disobeying the Lord, and they never entered God's rest. And so there's even that idea of if we're not taking Sabbath, taking time to unplug and rest, we're disobeying God. Yeah. And that's hardening our hearts. And I wonder how many Christians would be so much better off. They would feel so much closer to the Lord. They wouldn't feel weighed down by the things of the world if they would just take a day off and they would rest from their own works and trust that my performance doesn't define me. My actions aren't the sum of my existence, my status, my whatever, but I'm a child of God. I'm made in the image of the Lord. I'm I'm the one, and just as John said in his gospel, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Yeah. You know, what kind of difference would that be just to sit there and rest, as you were talking about from Watchman Nee, start there, operate from rest, not, yeah. you know, so much, you know, like the mentality of America is to just like work, 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 and you'll be something one day. That's not the gospel. Right. That's not the gospel at all. The gospel is, it doesn't matter how much you work, you know, you don't earn God's love. God gives his love to us. Right. You know, and, and it's kind of, the, like, the gospel is opposite of, like, the American dream. Oh, yeah. Because like, you work, you work to get a reward. Whereas the gospel, it's like, hey, give it all away, expecting nothing back from the people that you've given to. Because it all points back to our rest and being in God's presence. That is the treasure. That is the reward. Yeah. And it's so backwards because... Now, Adam, are you saying that Jesus doesn't want us to have a two-story home <laughs> with a big family and never any needs and be able to retire at 50 and live on a yacht? No, I don't, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I think, um, I think a lot of people can get so reward-driven... I mean, think about when you, from a kid, you do something, you get a piece of candy, you get a reward and that just builds, I'm not saying it's wrong, but if that's how we train our mind in everything, you know, the gospel is not formed that way. It's to give it all away because our treasure is Christ. And so, yeah, I agree. I think just having that mentality of taking rest to just recoup. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Got any more thoughts on Sabbath? That's just kind of all I had. I just <laughs> was thinking about that. But, but I think that's yeah. an important distinction. It shouldn't just blow by. Oh, yeah. Of, man, maybe you're listening to this podcast now and you don't remember the last time you just took a day to rest from work, whatever that might look like. You know, I think also you can become incredibly legalistic, you right. know, or there might be a teenager listening to be like, Mom, look, I don't have to do chores this day. <laughs> that's not the point. But whatever whatever is driving you, like, you know, for us in ministry, we need a day off where we totally unplug from ministry related things. And we like, so I still do stuff around the house. I'll mow the lawn. You know, it's not that there's no quote unquote work, but the work that is my main occupation. And I know some people work seven days a week, so that can be tough. Cause it's like, well, I don't, I, I right. literally can't take a day off, but find ways that you can rest. Yeah. If that's reading, if that's going on a hike, you know, if it's, you know, doing something that brings you rest and, and peace to find some way to do that, you know, of like being able to, cause again, the Sabbath was made for us, not man for Sabbath. So it's not like, mm. 
you have to be legalistic 24 hours. Nothing, you know what I mean? But right. like finding a way of how can I more importantly connect with God? Yeah. How can I connect with God more than just a couple minutes, but I'm going to take a prolonged time and just spend time at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And I think that that even reverts back to what we were talking about in thankfulness of it doesn't have to be in your bedroom sitting alone for 40 minutes, but it can be, I'm going to go to the grocery store because I need to, but as I'm buying groceries, I'm going to be, you know, praying to God about things that I'm thankful for and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's just, and having that mentality of praying with God in your day-to-day life, um, even while you're resting, I think, because I think sometimes we think, oh, I got to spend time with God, got to go in my room and shut my door, which is a good thing. I'm not yeah. saying it's bad, but like that's that's not God. It's not in the Bible where it says you have to go in your bedroom. Well, I guess it does say like. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's. Oh, okay. So that's a little different, but but I know what you're trying to say. Right. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like you can find rest and peace of God anywhere in your life if you choose to have that heart of motive. Yeah. And I think it's that passage Jesus is talking about. I don't know that we have to take it absolute literal every time (laughs) we pray. I think he's addressing more of the heart behind prayer. Right. Because remember, he's rebuking the religious leaders because they love to preach out in the streets or like pray out in the streets and real loud, a lot of words, you know, and he said they have their reward Yeah. because they got noticed. Right. That's all they have. But you go pray in secret behind the closed door to your father and the father that sees what's in secret will reward you. And, but I think what's cool is like, there's no definition of what that reward looks like. Right. So it's like, I love that mystery aspect of, yeah. we don't know what that reward looks like. Is it immediate? Is it later? Is it both? You know, who knows? But I think the heart is behind that of, so take, uh, take some time to take Sabbath that you don't have to go announce like, Hey, I'm taking Sabbath. See y'all, you know, <laughs> you don't have to do that, but just say, Hey, I'm going to go, you know, you and the Lord decide I'm going to go on a an hour walk today, walk right. somewhere, bike ride, whatever. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time with God and take some time to just connect with him. Yeah. And maybe the reward that God offers us is in heaven, which is what we're talking about next. Hey, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so yesterday Adam texted me cause we were reading a devotional about heaven and it was mm. um, thought provoking because it's it was. very different than I would imagine most people have oh, of yeah. the mentality of heaven. For sure. You know? And so I remember our old director and friend, well, he's still my friend. It's not like he's not my friend, <laughs> but he called this Looney Tunes theology or Looney Tunes heaven. Oh, okay. So this idea of heaven is we're going to be floating on a cloud, playing a harp, <laughs> singing to God all day, and all of our worries are gone. Mm. which does not sound like fun. I think that's a terrible view of heaven Yeah, because I'm sure there is singing because in revelation it says they're singing, right? You know, and I think that's an aspect in worship, but the Bible makes it incredibly clear that this life and this world matters now. Yeah. You know, that Romans 12 even talks about worshiping God with our lives. Like, like, um, offering our bodies, our life up on the altar. So that is our worship to God. Mm. And so, and it seems like it, it calls us co-heirs and rulers with Christ. You know, that insinuates some kind of duty or role or 
some right. kind of activity. And I think this idea that heaven is just a place we're going to go up and sing for eternity and have no worries, that's just a really malnourished view of heaven. Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up, that was my thought process growing up. And I'm not saying people taught me wrong. I think it was more of nobody really talked about it a lot. Well, this is like pop culture. You know, right. Not even Christian media. You look at any media, that's oh, their yeah. depiction of heaven. Right. And so that's what I always thought, like, oh, streets of gold, we're going to be singing the whole time. And I would always think as a kid, it's like, you know, this life has its rough spots, but there's in t- there's times in life where I'd be thinking, man, if that's all we do in heaven, this is better than that. You know what I mean? But, and I think, you know, the Bible talks about heaven coming down to earth and talked about like at the end of it all, God will dwell with his people. It doesn't say like God's people are going to like go up to this celestial place in the sky, but God's coming to us to dwell with us. And to me, that just, that reminds me of the whole relationship aspect of being close with God as a father figure of being with your father in a close proximity and not this, you know, like you were saying, Looney Tunes fantasy singing all the time. Cause that's, I mean, you don't do that with your dad. You don't like sing to your dad every time you see him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe you do. I don't know. (laughs) But just that, like that real aspect of how we live and interact with each other. um, To me, it was like, man, this sounds much more inviting where peace and harmony actually exist. Well, you look at the, you know, so oftentimes we talk about like the Garden of Eden. We want to go back to the garden. But you even look that, look at that. Like, yeah, Adam and Eve, it said they walked in the cool of the day with the Lord. It doesn't say anything about them like worshiping him, like praying, singing. There may have been. And so I'm not saying there's no singing in heaven. I think there'll be, I mean, because singing expresses joy and gratitude, you know, so of course there's going to be singing, (laughs) but I I heard somebody and actually it was was our friend, Josh, our old director. He said that the age to come, and maybe he was quoting somebody, but he said the age age to come is going to be a diminishing of nothing. So of this life. So anything that's good in this life is only going to be better yeah. in heaven. So, you know, I'm just thinking revelation, like that, that great and awesome promise that says, once again, God's dwelling place is going to be with man. Mm, yeah. And that's heaven. Right. You know, and, and God takes painstaking, like even Romans, it says that the creation just longs to be redeemed you know, that doesn't seem like we have this really, I think it's bad theology to say the whole world is just going to burn up. And so what we do on this world doesn't matter. I think that's a completely unbiblical view of the world because there's one spot in Peter that talks about like the celestial things will burn up and stuff and the things will melt. I don't think that's literally saying the world's going to melt. What I think God's, I think the whole idea of, you know, so Jesus, he died, he came, he lived a life on earth as a human, died in a human body, but was resurrected and redeemed and glorified in that body. God raised that up and restored it, renewed it, and now we're being made new. Why would God not renew his entire creation? Mm. He took painstaking effort through Genesis to create it, and, and it's his art. You know, what artist takes his greatest masterpiece and just chucks it into the garbage. You know what I mean? Right. Like God is this cre- like the most creative artist. And I think he's going to redeem things. He's going to restore it, renew it. The, like the new heavens and the new earth is going to be much like we're a new creation. 
you know, yes, the old man has went in a sense, but we're still the same body, but we're going to be glorified and renewed one day. I think that's scripture's view of creation and what, what the world is to come. And if that's true, our life, why would it look much different, you know, than our life now, other than all the sin is gone, all the injustice is gone. You know, it, it almost sounds like a too good to be true, Yeah. but that's the hope of the gospel. That's the, we've seen the end of the story, you know? Right. And I think we get glimpses of heaven when we choose to act with other people in love. We forgive other people. You know, like when you're with your friends, when you're with people and it, like you're just, you're getting along really well. There's no conflict. There's no strife. People are loving each other, doing everything for like a strong community is. And that feeling of, man, this just feels good. This feels right. Like this is joy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a little glimpse of like what heaven is. It's that complete peace of joy with God that we don't have to worry about anything. I revert back. Well, I, I made a video today. Um, well, I released it today, yeah. but um, it talks about like sexual addiction, which obviously is not what we're talking about. Yeah. But I go through the different phrases or the stages of like struggling with it and then like feeling shame and then forgiveness, but then having fear of like temptations coming again. But I represented forgiveness in that video as a little kid. Like when you're a little kid, you feel free. There's no worry of what you've done in the past. You're not worried about the future or the cares because your parents are taking care of that for you. And I think that's just that feeling of a kid of, man, I have this joy because I don't have to worry about anything. Right. And I think, I mean, I don't think heaven's going to be like a kid, but you know, just that analogy of for the first time ever in our existence, we won't have to worry about if people are being ill-treated, if people are going hungry, it's just complete peace. And like you said, it sounds too good to be true but we serve an all good and perfect god why wouldn't that be the picture right well and we also think of heaven as this far away place that we go when we die right and in one sense that's true you know paul talks about to be absent of the body is to be present with the lord but i think we think of it as it's this place far away that we'll go there someday like it's the place where god dwells and that's true but I think heaven is more of like another dimension that mm. kind of crosses over with earth. When Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is here yeah. now already, repent and believe the gospel. I think whenever we saw Jesus heal people and preaching the gospel, showing that God, that kingdom kindness, heaven was breaking into our world. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the reality of the culmination of all things when it's all said and done, God's dwelling place is going to be with us again. And I think, you know, God is creative and he's infinite. So yeah. why would like, I, I personally think, you know, that, and this isn't necessarily, I think I have good reason to believe this. I can't pull one scripture and say, here's my proof, but I think heaven is going to be a continually unveiling of God. Yeah. You know, we're going to, I think about how much I love when I read something or I learn something about God or the Holy Spirit speaks to me in a way that I never saw God like that before. Why would that not be like that in heaven mm. and continuing learning and fellowshipping with one another and learning about God together? And, um, yeah. So I think that view of heaven 
is so appealing to me. Oh, yeah. That is so appealing. Like this idea that I have work with God to do, that I'll be with God. We're going to be together. We're going to be able to fellowship with saints from all like all of life, you know, yeah. that's awesome to me to think oh, that yeah. and wonder. And even that mystery of, we don't have to know what it all looks like. Right. You know, mystery is a good thing in mm-hmm. Christian faith and we need to stop trying to find answers for every, maybe there's not answers. Right. Maybe we won't ever know. I remember there's a passage. Um, I don't remember exactly where it is. I could, I could look it up or something later, but I think it's in Deuteronomy and he talks about the secret things are the Lord's. And the things that he has revealed to us is ours. But, and I think that's a little bit of a paraphrase, but essentially saying that there's secret things that only God knows. Yeah. And so let's stop pursuing all of them because it drives us crazy. And let's pursue what we do know. Yeah. You know? Well, isn't it in Job when he's crying out to God from everything that has happened to him? And he's saying, God, just like, help me understand this. And God decides to like show him a vision of like all of the grandeur of like the sea and in the world. And through it all, it's kind of weird how God chooses to speak to Job through these depictions, but through it all, Job is humbled by it because he realizes that, man, there are so many complexities to this right. earth that I can't even begin to understand, but God knows all the finite details. But that resulted in worship. Exactly. It didn't yeah. result in frustration or right. feeling left out. That wonder and that mystery res- like caused Job to love God more. Exactly. And yeah. what if and what if our mystery, our unanswered questions actually is leading us closer to the heart of God? Absolutely. I agree. We'll have to do buffet episodes more often. This <laughs> yeah, has been, this like has that. been really fun. <laughs> yeah. But uh you have any final thoughts? And any oh. anything. It's the buffet. We're going to the dessert line. <laughs> we're just throwing in everything. Oh, anything man. that's Oh, man. I'm just really glad that the past couple of years I've been able to see God differently. And I think that is because, I mean, we've talked a lot about stuff, but I've had more of a community of guys and girls, whether it's my age or a little older or younger, doesn't matter, but actually living life together and having conversations like this and just doing stuff together has helped me see more of characteristics of God and also like what heaven is supposed to be like of getting along, having this strong community where you are like getting stuff for people who have need and things like that. And that's been really helpful for me growing closer to God and having people around me. Cause I think you need a community to live that. Yeah. I think the best thing that's happened to me over the past few years is being willing and even daring to ask questions Yeah. You know, I think nobody told me I couldn't ask questions, but I think a lot of times I was scared of maybe I wouldn't like the answers Mm. or the lack of answers that I wouldn't find. And that's just not been true. You know, I found a God who has met me in my questions, not skepticism, but just questions Mm. of actually wanting to know. And it's made all the difference. Oh, yeah. So ask your questions. Yeah. There's a song by Hunter Hayes that I found out recently. Okay. Um, It's called Dear God. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. But he wrote this song. He was feeling really down and just really depressed. And he asks God, he says, like, dear God, are you sure that you don't mess up? Because he feels like a mistake. And I mean, he asks these really tough, hard questions saying, like, God, you're the one that's formed me, you know, and all this stuff. But by the end of the song, 
it's kind of this, and I think a lot, some Christians feel like this. I know I felt like this before. You get in those down moments and you think, God, did you mess up? Like, am I a mistake? You know, that type of thing. But you know in your heart of hearts that God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he comes back in the song saying, God, please remind me that you don't mess up, even when I do feel like this type thing. So I agree, like asking big questions. Because the thing is, God knows what you're thinking anyways. Right. So why not ask him, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Well, hey, we're getting ready to run out of time, but I think we had some great discussion and maybe maybe let us know what you guys thought of this buffet episode, if we should do it more often, or if there's any specific topics that you would like us to go deeper on. Maybe you said like, man, Sabbath was great. You should go longer. Or maybe, hey, we want to hear more about heaven or Mm. um, about thankfulness or something like that. Uh, Let us know. Comment on Facebook. Send us a message. Email us at potholepastors at gmail.com. Or if you want to hear about the Christian school. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We can connect uh, you with the president of this school to help you. Oh, um, Maybe you have a local strip club in your town that you'd love to see get turned into a Christian school. But uh, hey, Adam, let's finish off with our Muncie Minute recommendation. Yes. I have one. I didn't have one at the beginning of this podcast. I'm curious what it is now. So I'm actually going to recommend Josh Garrels. Ah, Josh, yeah. So Josh Garrels is a musician who is from Mm. Muncie. He is. Uh, I believe he grew up in Muncie and lived out in Oregon for a while, but he's recently moved back. Back, right. And I saw him at a concert here in town last year. He's very, he's a different style, like indie. um, It is, yeah. Almost like, I don't want to say hipster, but it's kind of hipster, like acoustic-y. It's it's a different brand of music, but it's very deep. It is. And... Uh, poetic music. Uh, he's just very one of a kind. So yeah. uh, check him out. He has some great stuff. I'm uh, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. I'm, I mean, he's everywhere. Um, yeah. Josh Garrels, G-A-R-R-E-L-S, I believe. Yeah. There might be two L's. I don't think there is. But look him up. He's, uh, he's an awesome artist. And okay, so I found out I, well, this is allegedly, he lives on my road. You're kidding. So you know how my road, Brook Drive, right. well, well, maybe I should, I should be careful <laughs> broadcasting where I live or even broadcasting where he lives. So the, the road where the, how the end of it has, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to say, cause I don't want people to go stalking him. I'll tell you after the <laughs> podcast, but I found out he lives not really on my road, but really close to me. Really? But, yeah. That's a, well, I guess, well, allegedly. So I, I mean, don't know. If you do enough digging, you can find people's addresses online, which that's is true. which is scary, but that's true. A, that, I guess that is kind of public information. Yeah, it's the world we live but in. But whatever, I'm not going <laughs> to I don't want to be sued. So, Muncie minute, Adam. Yeah, so this is a new restaurant that I ate at. We actually went to it together just yesterday. It's called Savages, and it's like a pub, is that what you Yeah, mean? like or an alehouse. Alehouse. Yeah. And which you have to be 21 to go in, but we did not drink. Yeah, we did not drink. We are good assemblies of God pastors. <laughs> we do not drink. <laughs> but um, really good food. I got, they call it the Muncie Burger. It's got like yeah. cheese and lettuce and ranch and burger was really good. French fries. You got, what was it? Fried pickles. Fried pickles, yeah. That was really good. Um, and just the atmosphere. It's kind of a little rustic. It's your, yeah. you know, what you would picture like a alehouse to look like. And yeah, I really liked it. It was really good. Yeah, good food, good prices. It is good um, prices. Yeah, it's very reasonable. So uh, somewhere that you want to go maybe every couple months or a couple times a year. It's not like you have to go there every week, but yeah, yeah. it's fun. 
Well, hey, guys, we're about out of time. So thanks so much for listening this week. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review, give us a rating, uh, subscribe, share it with your friends. But uh, this is Joey. And I'm Adam. So we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys.